Good morning. Thanks, guys. That was um, awesome. Um, so it's Family Sunday, so kids are in here. So kindergarten through fifth grade, hopefully um, you got a little something to occupy yourself. I mean, I, I hopefully maybe I, I plan to ask you guys maybe a question or two in the middle of this. So pay attention. No, I'm just joking. Um, so we're going to talk about worship today. And if there is something that I think is most pertinent, having our kids here in with us, if there is something that we can teach our kids, it's how to worship. I mean, that's the reality. We were created as worshipers. The problem is that we just worship a lot of different things. But we all worship, whether you come to this church or whether you go to another church or whether you don't go to church at all, everybody's worshiping something. And so this morning as we, as we talk about what worship looks like, I, let me, let me, so any, anybody else, um, let's just be really honest here, anybody else, um, you know, when it's just us singing? Gets a little, starts immediately thinking about who can hear me and how loud am I singing. Anybody? I'm not the only one, right? Okay, except for Warner. <laughs> and anybody else in here that actually can sing well? Why? 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 Yeah, why? Why, why are we so self-conscious when... When we, we sing these songs, I mean, you guys, if, if this is God, if this is who God is, if these are the characteristics of God, nothing else matters. Nothing matters other than our God. Now, if, if that's not who you think he is, I would love to, to show you and, and pour through scripture and show you that that's who he is. So if we're not, but, but we're going to start with that as our foundation, that is our premise. And we go, if this is who our God is, we got to be worshiping him. And yet we treat this, this Sunday as like, it's a, it's a, it's a play thing. It's a thing that we do. It's a thing that we we throw on, we put a bumper sticker on, or we, we're missing it. And if there's something we need to teach our kids, it's that, it's that what you see of church and what you see of Christianity may not at all be worship. And you can tell when worship is happening in an individual. And it Oh, by the way, we're not at worship. I mean, we are worship. We happen to be worshiping together right now, which God commands us to do, and we're going to talk about that next week, gathering. But this isn't the only worship. This is just one very small part of worship. I, I, if this is the climax of your worship in a week, I, I would urge you to go do what we've been talking about these last three weeks of getting into Scripture and praying and fasting and seeking God's will for your life because I can guarantee you there is more worship to be done on your knees in your living room, whether it's here. And it doesn't mean worships that, that, that Warner and the band aren't incredible at leading us in worship, but they're, they're leading, they're practicing, they're, we're, 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 we're demonstrating something that we're going to be doing for all eternity. But we don't just worship here. 
and we don't just worship with music and song. And so that's what we're going to be pouring over this morning. So, um, and, and, and kids, I'm going to get a little passionate about this, so I hope your attention stays. So, I, <laughs> but um, there's some there's some really good things to grasp out of this. And, and the first one um, that I, I want you kids to like take home with you, and, and really this is for everybody, is the word all. And your parents might use words like omni, maybe, if they're theological geeks like myself. But, but the word is all. God is all-powerful. That means literally he can do anything that he desires to do. He is all-knowing. He knows absolutely everything. Not just what you read in history books. He knows what is going to happen. He is everywhere. He isn't just here. He's on the other side of the globe at the same time, right? He is a God is spirit. He is everywhere, all present. This is our God. And there's, there's more and more and more. He speaks, and something comes to existence. You just, let's just, just hang on that one for a second. You guys ever seen this? No, none of us have. He speaks. And out of nothing comes something because he wills it to come into existence. This is the God that we're singing about. This is the God of the Bible. This is the God that we go to in worship. And so I don't want us to water this down and go, you know, it, it's, it's, it's an option. It's, it's somebody. It's, it's just the same as everything else I worship in my life because he's not. Let me pray. Father, help us this morning to be worshipers. Not just here and now, but... throughout our entire lives, Father. We were created to worship. We know this. Direct our worship. Help us to pay attention to what we're worshiping. Direct our affections to you, Father. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So here's the cool part, kids. You guys are better than we are. <laughs> if you go to Matthew chapter 21, we're just going to start here for a second. Jesus, it says in verse 14, And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, to Jesus, and he healed them. It says, But when the chief priests and the scribes, you can just read that as adults, saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple. The children were like singing, praising Jesus. Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. They were mad. All the adults were mad at the kids. Kids, has that ever happened? Have you, has, have you ever had an adult be mad at you? <laughs> and they said to him, do you hear what they are saying? Do you hear what these kids are saying? They're worshiping you like God. Jesus said to them, yes, have you never read out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise? You see, our kids often are better worshipers than we are. So maybe, maybe we should look at them and see 
just how passionate they get about things. And we go, where'd my passion go? Or we see how much they love that toy or that thing, right? And you go, what do I love that much? So kids, this is, this is for you guys too, okay? This is worshiping. Yes, Chance, you too. <laughs> this is worshiping, right? And this is, this is for all of us to do this. And, and what are we doing? So we're going to start, um, we're going to bounce around a little bit. The verses will be on the screen. We're going to start in Isaiah 43. He says in verse 19, I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. That's, that's life, right? The wilderness, the desert, that's what he's alluding to here. I give you water in the middle of the desert. Like that's what God does. To give drink to my chosen people, the people who I, whom I formed, why? For myself. That they might declare my praise. We were created to worship. Let that be our foundation. We know this to be true. And you can, evangelizing, speaking the gospel into people that, that aren't saved, that don't know Christ, Point them to this. You, you were created to worship, and you do worship. Let's talk about what you worship. And let's see whether your thing is as lasting as my person. We were created to worship. If there is a psalm that outlines worship, it's Psalm 145, and we're going we're gonna to read through this, this whole thing. So if you've got a Bible, right, you know, go to this. You can read it on the screen. I would encourage you to go back today when you get home. Go through this with your kids. It's, it's an incredible verse and I'll, or a chapter, and I'll kind of stop through it as we go. This is David, and he says, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. Unsearchable. We, we try to grab words. We try to grab as many adjectives as we possibly can to describe God, but he's unsearchable. We, unfathomable. We can't do it. One generation shall commend your works to another. If you're a parent in here, you have a responsibility to point to the works of God, not just on the cross, but in life, in your life, and say, look at what God did, because that then directs our affections, directs our worship. And you shall declare, and shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty, majesty, and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. Meditate on God's words and his works, what he's done. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, 
slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. Sometimes we forget how much he loves us. The Lord is good to all. And his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord. And all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are fallen. The Lord upholds all who are fallen. And he raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. He satisfies our all, every single desire. Do we get that? Because there's a lot of other things that I think we grab that satisfy our desires. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him. To all who call on him in truth. That's a promise from God. How often have we said, I feel so far from God? We say it all the time, don't we? What does he say? He'll draw near to us. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. The word worship means to bow down, to lay prostrate. It's to honor, to give praise the, the picture, if you can, and, and we don't see this very often, is to like kneel down and, and kiss somebody's hand, right? Think of it as like royalty. Like that's the picture. In fact, the, the actual Greek word uh, scholars think actually has to do with a dog. It, the root of it comes from a dog coming up and licking your hand. It's affection. It's worship. It's adoration. So worship isn't in a place, it's not an event, it's a heart condition. And it's not just symbolic. All of those descriptors have actions, have us doing something, like, like it will well up, that heart condition inside of us will well up and cause us to fall to our knees. I, I will... 
I don't know, it was maybe five years, I was in college, it was maybe five years after I'd gotten baptized, and, and uh, I would say that for me personally, that was probably the point of my actual salvation. I'm not sure my baptism really was, but regardless, um, I had prayed to God. I had prayed to him laying down in bed. I would prayed to him standing, sitting. And I remember getting out of my bed and like kneeling down. That was the first time in my life. It was on a gross dorm floor. You know, it was by myself. I had no roommate at the time, but There's something to that, you guys. I'm not saying you have to kneel to pray. I'm saying that, that if you're worshiping God, you, you can't not. And I don't know what that looks like for you personally. And maybe, maybe you can't right now. Uh, <laughs> maybe you're not super agile. But uh, that's what it does. That's what it does in our lives. It's not coming in here and murmuring words and calling it good. That's not it. That's not it at all. It's a humbling. That's what worship is. It's, it's humbling. And if you look at Isaiah's call, when Isaiah gets called um, by God, he sees God in, on his throne. And listen to what he says in Isaiah 6-5. His response to seeing God in his proper place is, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. That's where we're all going to be. We will see him in his proper place eventually. Every, all mankind will. And, and all mankind, every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess. It doesn't say the people that follow him. Every knee will bow. Because it will be very clear who God is. And that he is worthy of our worship. And that's our promise. That's the promise that God has for us. We will all be worshiping him in eternity. Right? And this is, this is what we read in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. It says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. What's everybody doing up to this point? Everybody's standing. He's used the word three times. Stand, stand, stand. Everybody's standing. It says, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. 
Amen. This is the promise that we have in the future, right? Like that whether, whether Christ comes back and takes us or, or we die and go to him. That's the promise that we have in Christ. Because of what God has done. This is our promise. And so we are created as worshipers. We are built as worshipers. We are meant to be worshipers. And we just sing in that last song so that all will see. We were created and we are meant to live lives that direct everybody's attention to God. Not to ourselves, but to him and what he's done. That's worship. And that's what we're meant to do. That's not what we do. It's not. Um, Our worship um, wanders. Right? I mean, think through it in your life right now. What consumes your attention? They're probably good things. Because God created a lot of really good things. Those are gifts. He gave them to us for us to enjoy them. Not for us to worship them. And that's the danger that we that we encounter. If you turn over to Romans chapter 1, Paul talks about this in verse 25. He says, They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. How dumb are we? How can we get to the point where we are worshiping creatures? I mean, we all look back in history and we're like, oh, look at those funny religions and how they worshiped animals. Right? I don't have my phone on me. But we don't even have things that have breath and we worship them. And, and this is what Paul writes. He's like, this is, this is what happens. Our worship wanders. And it's not, it's not, it's not, I can't think of the word. God knows that it wanders. That's what I'm trying to say. Whatever word that I was looking for. God knows that it wanders. But God also knows that there's an enemy that's trying to steal our worship. Right? I mean, it, it, turn over to Matthew. Uh, chapter 4. Jesus gets baptized and he goes into the desert to be tempted by the devil. And what does it say in verse 8? Matthew chapter 4, verse 8. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Their glory. They have glory. They shine. They're pretty. That's what glory means, brilliance. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you 
serve. And it's not that it's not that you're either a devil worshiper or you're worshiping God, okay? Because from Satan's perspective, anything other than worshiping God is all that matters, right? And so he's going to steal our worship. He's going to hijack it. He's going to take it. And he's going to go, yeah, this is, you can worship, you can worship the church. You can worship, you know, you can have that, have that old Bible that you want to protect, right? You, could, you can worship good things, but not God. We're going to spend a little bit of time in, in John chapter 4. Uh, Jesus is going through Samaria, and... Um, you guys have heard the story, it's the woman at the well, right? So Jesus is going through Samaria, or some, uh, yeah, Samaria, and he meets a Samaritan woman. Now, for, for Jesus to talk to the Samaritan woman was not culturally sound uh, decision. Um, uh, for them to even go through Samaria was not appropriate, um, but he did nonetheless. And he gets into this conversation with this Samaritan woman. Now, um, Samaritans were Jews, Israelites, when they came over to the promised land, they were told not to intermarry with the peoples that were there. The Samaritans did, and so they were excluded. They could not come into the temple. They could not worship with Israel. They, they, they were so much so that, like, Israelites went around, like, they would walk an extra day to get around to go to where they were going so they didn't have to walk through Samaria. Like, that's how much of a, a plague. It was as if Samaria was filled with COVID, right? And everybody was like, I'm not going there. Right, and so this is how it was treated, and 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 so when Jesus starts having this conversation with this woman, she starts asking the question because if they couldn't go to Jerusalem. That means they couldn't go to the temple. That means they couldn't worship. They couldn't go to church. And so what did the Samaritans do? Well, they went they went to Mount Gerizim, and they're like, "Hey, we're going to worship here," and they just set up their own their own thing. They're like, "What else are we going to do?" And so she asked the question: Should we? Where's the right place to worship? Should we worship in Jerusalem? Should we worship at Mount Gerizim? Like, which one's the right one, Jesus? And this is his response in verse 23. He says, The hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. This, this woman at the well story is, a, is an incredible story, and most of you kids probably know it well, I would imagine. It's probably like one of the first Bible stories that gets taught, right? Um, that and maybe the Good Samaritan, right? Um, it, it's filled with amazing theological, really deep theological things. I mean, at first we can at least declare that Jesus declares himself to be the Messiah, very clearly, right? Like without a doubt, he, this is, Scripture says that Jesus thought he was the Messiah. So um, 
you, could, you can take all of those arguments that, that say to the contrary that Jesus just thought he was a good teacher or whatever. Well, that's not, that's not true, right? But second, it also says that, that he's seeking true worshipers. God is seeking true worshipers. That means that by implication, there's false worshipers. That means there's people who worship Not the way God wants them to worship. Not because he has some sort of rule set or things that he wants us to do, but that, that their hearts aren't in the right place, right? That, that they are going through the motions, right? And he, and he ridicules the scribes and the Pharisees often, right? And if you go back to Joel and to the minor prophets, when you, when you walk through that, they talk about, hey, they honor me with their lips, right? But their hearts are far from me. And he, and he condemns their sacrifice. He's like, stop, stop going to church, Stop the sacrifices because it's not worship and I don't like it. And this is what our God is seeking. He's seeking true worshipers. And so what does Jesus say? That we're gonna worship in spirit and in truth. So I think I blitzed by the one slide, but worship requires our attention. It requires it. Worship is not just something that we can just just walk through and go, well, I got baptized once, I'm a Christian, and, and I believe in Jesus, and um, now I just live my life. This is, we are in a series called Spiritual Disciplines, right? And what have we stepped through so far? All the vertical relationship things. We read scripture, we pray, we fast to try to discern God's will, right? We, we are devoting our time to God and we, we pour over scripture and we're praying to him and, and what is the result of those three? The fourth Sunday in the series, worship. That's what results. That's what is naturally going to come out, but it's a discipline that, that we need to practice just like we're practicing reading and praying and fasting and, and living a life of faithfulness and seeking God and putting him as a priority in our lives. Worship is the exact same thing. And then what's gonna come out of this and just as, as a uh, foreshadowing for the next uh, f- uh, three weeks, gathering together, giving and serving. What's that? Horizontal. It's, it's what comes out of this. This is, this is where it starts. So if you're giving and serving and gathering, but you don't have these other things, then it's for not. It's false worship. So true worship worships in spirit and in truth is what Jesus says. So, so kids, so this is truth. It's your brain. It's your nugget. Sorry, that was the Air Force term. <laughs> Nobody else uses that term. Sorry, I apologize. Um, it's your brain, okay? It's your mind. It's knowledge. You, you have to know what Scripture says. And adults, I mean, it's the same for us. Like, we have to understand the truths of Scripture. And in spirit, that's our heart. It's our emotions. All right, so, so these are the things we're going to step through. So the first one, we got to worship in truth. Turn over to Romans uh, chapter 11. I think I have this verse in there. I think so. Verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable 
his ways. Love that word, inscrutable. Like, you, can't, you just can't figure it out. It's, an, it's enigmatic. It's a mystery. We know this to be true in our lives, do we not? We think we're going this way. God takes us this way. We're pretty sure this is God's will. And then we're going backwards. We're like, what is happening in my life? But then when we get, we get about 10 to 20 years down the line, we look back and we're like, oh, oh, it's clear as day what God was doing. That's, that's this word, inscrutable. It says, for who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. That's, that's what, what lays the foundation for our worship in truth. That's what we do. That's what we look to. And it's not just these amazing actions that God has done in the past. What has he done in your life that's true, that you know of? I mean, um, there's no way I'm going to get through this. So um, <laughs> you guys can all tell now, right, when I pause. Um, so, like, when we were up in Alaska just three weeks ago, right? Like, um, so Melissa breaks her leg, and <laughs> the boat, the boat <laughs> thank you, baby. <laughs> the boat broke her leg, that's true. Um, there's no, there was no place to stay. There were no hotel rooms. I mean, I'm not joking. I mean, it's Alaska in the summer during COVID. Nobody could travel internationally. I mean, it was packed, and literally there was no place to stay. And there were no cars. There were no rental cars. Like, nothing. Um, and then we had to have surgery and stay there for five days. It's like, well, how are we going to do this? How do we afford this, right? Like, what? How, how is all this going to, I guess we had nothing to purchase, so I guess that was good. We had no hotel to buy and no rental car to buy, right? Like, what were we going to do? And we look back on it now, and, and we just watch God just make these moves that were just so cool, that were just little gifts um, that made it, I mean, it, it, was a, it was a rough first 36 hours trying to figure out what was going to happen. But the tour company came and said, keep all your receipts, we'll pay for everything. I'm like, all right, well, that solves one problem, but there's nothing to pay for because we can't have a place to stay. They couldn't find a place for us. An Airbnb ends up popping up like, I don't know, I guess a day, yeah, I don't know, about 24 hours later because they just had somebody cancel and ended up being like ADA compliant with bars in the bathrooms and ramps. <laughs> um, I called my employer that I was going up there to work for, and he goes, well, what do you need? I told him I couldn't work for him, and he's like, no problem, what do you need? He's like, I've got a truck if you need transportation. I'm just like 10 minutes away from where we were staying. I'm like, yeah, that, that works. And it, was, and it was great. And we got five more days of vacation, kind of. <laughs> but he provides. I can't tell you, right, like, like that's truth. 
Like those things happened in my life. And so for you who have kids here, right? And, and even to your friend, not just to your kids, but to your friends and whatever, right? Like that's truth. Like this is what God did. Now you could say it's coincidence. You could. But when you start adding them up, we become very lucky people. I mean, most of you know our story. <laughs> what do you do with all that? Right? Like you, you, and, and so we got to keep track of this stuff because it leads us to a place of worship. We got to teach this stuff. We got to communicate this stuff because then we go, yeah, but then this. Oh, what about this one? And then this. And then that. You're like, there's too much. There's too much in our personal lives. There's too much in scripture of God moving and shaking and changing things and doing things. Not to mention the least of which is Jesus Christ rising from the grave. And so what do we do with that stuff? We go, this is truth. And that lays the foundation of our worship. But then he says, we also worship in spirit. What's going what's gonna to well up in us? What's going to stir our emotions? Now, I get it. I am, um, all right, well, aside from me crying on stage, I, I, am, <laughs> I have to stop saying this, I guess. But like, I'm, not, like, I'm not a very emotional person. That's not, I, I don't know. Anyway, I don't feel like an emotional person. <laughs> I don't know. I got I to gotta stop saying that, I guess. Um, it takes me a bit. Like, I'm not very, like, I don't. Like, when I'm sitting here worshiping or standing and worshiping, like, it's not always just, like, just passion just, like, flows out. I don't know. Some of you are. Some of you are, like, we're, we're worshiping. Like, I'm in this. I, I'm not. It takes me a little bit. And honestly, I, I tilt towards the truth side. I tilt towards the knowledge side, the brain side, I, because that's who I am. That's how God built me. But there's a, there's a heart side of this. God did not want us to just be ballooned with knowledge and information. There are plenty. Of, you guys know that there are Bible experts that don't follow Christ? You guys understand this, right? Like, like if you go to like colleges, universities, there are Bible experts. Bible experts. They know way more than me. You know way more than anybody in this room. And they don't follow Christ. See, it's not just knowledge. It's not. It's worship. It's spirit. It's, it's heart. Now, you might be saying, well, yeah, I just, you know, I, I tilt towards the, the academic side, and that's kind of where I lay. But how passionate are you about your politics? More or less than Jesus. I'm going to keep going. I made a list. How passionate are you about football? Got a gut punch? Sorry. <laughs> How passionate are you about your work or your family or your possessions or your newest possession? You see, we are passionate people. But we also get to choose what we're passionate about. And what Jesus says here is that we ought to be passionate about our God. 
And so I, I would just urge you, like, this is, this is a place where, you know, we got to ask ourselves, why am I not? And it's not a guilt thing. It's not a shame thing. It's, it's something that draws us back to Scripture. It draws us back to song. It draws us back to prayer and, and fasting and going, I want more of you, God, because I want to worship you the way I should. I want to really be as passionate about you, about something that is of eternal consequence. There is nothing that you're looking at right now, there's nothing in your life that is going to last through eternity. You understand that, right? Nothing. Nothing. All right, Romans 12, 1. Be living sacrifices. Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So how do we worship? We worship in truth, we worship in spirit, and we worship by presenting our bodies as living sacrifices. Paul has just spent the first 11 chapters on a treatise of everything. <laughs> the history of humanity and God's work in humanity. And he says at the end, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, because of that, because of all of this, because of everything that's gone on, everything that God has done, present your bodies as a sacrifice, as a living sacrifice. Now, so you, you can go very easily to Hebrews and you can read that Jesus is our last sacrifice, the only sacrifice necessary, right? He covered over all of our sins, right? That's the simplicity of the gospel is that we don't actually have to present sacrifices, right? We're, we're not part of the sacrificial system that was because Jesus once for all atoned for all of our sins. So then why am I told to give a sacrifice? It's a good question, isn't it? And I think the emphasis in here is actually on the earlier words. It says, present your bodies. I think that's where we trip up. I don't want to give my body to God. And what he's talking about here is body, like, like you. What is you? Like all that is you, mind, soul, spirit, right? Like, like everything that is you, he goes, that should be a living sacrifice. It should be presented to God as a living sacrifice. Like, you don't die. You're not going to go on some table somewhere and, and be burned and die. You're going to be a living sacrifice. Every day you're going to wake up and you're going to go through Psalm 145, right? And you're going to meditate. And every day you're going to declare that God is gracious and merciful and loving. And you're going to say it so that all can see because you're worshiping. So what, is, what does it look like for us to live as a living sacrifice? I think the best, theologically accurate, and the best metaphor or picture of God in our lives is that of light. And the idea that there is no shadow with God. 
What does that mean? Think about this for a second. If you place anything anywhere, right? I could do like hand puppets on the wall maybe or something, right? Shadow puppets, not hand puppets. Sorry. There's no shadows with God. His light pervades everywhere. These corners, these walls are different color, painted different color, by the way. You can't tell because there's shadows. There's shadows everywhere. There's shadows in our lives. There's shadows. There's places where God doesn't touch in our lives. There's a division in our minds between sacred and secular. And we come in here and we do the sacred thing. And then we go home. Maybe we have our little bit of sacred time. And then we have our secular time, our me time, our whatever time, our unplugged time. And then we, and then we go here, right? And, and we, we're just off and on. So we're just a light switch. But what, what God says is that no, there's no shadows. I'm light. I shine everywhere. There, there's no place I don't touch. That's what he's talking about, being a living sacrifice. Everywhere. Every aspect of your life is for God and for his glory. Well, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse uh, 19. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. You were bought with a price. What was the price? The life of Jesus. God incarnate came to earth, suffered and died on the cross for us, right? He purchased us. He ransomed us. These are all the words we use. He's our redeemer, right? He purchased us for salvation, for our salvation, and for his glory. And so this is what he did. This is what he does for us. And so there's no part of our lives. And so here's here's the amazing part, ready? This doesn't mean that you spend all of your day in here on your knees Right? Like just worshiping and like you don't do anything else. Because God is loving. And he's gracious and he's given us all sorts of good gifts. And we can enjoy those gifts. He wants us to enjoy those gifts. He does. The beautiful, amazing things, right? The serene landscapes that we see, right? The beach, like amazing friends, amazing food, great drinks, like whatever it is. He gave those to us. Enjoy them. They're for your entertainment, for your fun, for your pleasure, for his glory. And if those are incompatible, it's not his that's incompatible. It's whatever you're doing. Everything that God has given us, we can do for his glory. Our marriages, our parenting, our work, everything. Our lives can be living sacrifices. The question is, is do we allow it to be? So let's pay attention to our worship. Because it's not, it's not this. I didn't even mention this, did I? We worship in spirit and truth and with our bodies. Let me pray for you.